Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. I started last week on a message called, What Are We Pursuing After? What are you pursuing after? And we talked about getting God's plans and purposes for our life and then pursuing after those. Because usually what we do is we make our plan and make our purposes and we pursue that. And it gets us out of the will of God for our life. And we expect God to work in our life, but we are far from his will. And so we got to get back to a place of God, what is your plan? God, what is your purpose? And I mentioned last week that this church has a plan. This church has a purpose and where we are going and what we are doing. And that's what we are pursuing after. It wasn't a man's plan, but it was God's plan for man. How do you know that how do you how many of you know that that was that God's word wasn't just something that man wrote? No, it was God's plan. His church, well, guess what? That wasn't just some man's idea. It was God's plan for man. Amen. And so we said that this church and what you are a part of has a plan, has a purpose, not designed from strategy, not designed from a group of people getting together and saying, how can we best do this? What's the best ways to do this? An advertisement and all those things. No. And those things are good. But we said, God, what is your plan? Pastor Brian and Pastor Chrissy in the 90s got a word from God, said, move across the world. And start a church, plant a church. They had no clue what they were coming to. Pastor Brian came out here and kind of scouted out the land, spied it out a little bit. And he had no clue he was on a peninsula when he came here. And God said, this is the place. Other people said, start it close to the city, you'll do better. And I'm sure there's many times where Pastor Brian questioned, like, are you sure, God? And throughout the years, I know there's been times. Because we know that in this region, in this area, that we're up against a lot. There is a spiritual resistance. The word that God gave Pastor Brian was that my sheep are scattered, and I'm sending you to gather my scattered sheep, meaning you're part of a vision that is gathering scattered sheep. And some of you were those scattered sheep at one time. Can I get an amen? But you're part of where God has ordained his will and his plan and his purpose for this region. I believe so. This is a church that has a prophetic start is where I'm trying to get you to understand. And and these plans and purposes from God, we know that not only are they for his church, but they are also for us as individuals. If we ask God, what is your plan? What is your purpose for my family? What is your plan and purpose for my children and how I raise them and how I do business? Even to the small details, God, how should I communicate when I'm around people? You know, we always think about big things, but do you ever think about the smaller things, the smaller details of your life? God, should I watch this? God, should I listen to this? God, should I talk like this? And you say, well, why would we even care about those things? God doesn't care about those things. Oh, but he does. God cares about everything that you do because he wants to get the glory out of everything that you do. God wants to get the glory out of everything that you do and your speech and the way you live It says to walk worthy in a manner from God. Let me read that scripture to you. 
I don't even have this in my notes. It says to walk in a manner worthy, and this is Ephesians chapter 4, 1. I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. How many of you know that you've been called by God? Every single one of you have been called by God. If you don't know that today, let me just encourage you. You're called by God. There is a purpose for your life. And it says to walk worthy of the calling. What do you think that means? Walk worthy of the calling that you have received. That's your lifestyle. That's what you do. That's your life. See, we have given ourselves up as believers, as Christians, to lifelong spiritual development. That's what you've given yourself up to as a Christian. Discipleship. To grow. If you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not advancing, you're losing. You are part of a kingdom that is advancing. You are part of a kingdom that has momentum, that is constantly moving forward. Now, there may be seasons of your life where it doesn't seem like you're moving forward. Can I get an amen? But you're still growing in those seasons of downtime, in those seasons of winter, in those valley seasons. You're still growing, and those are some of the greatest things that you will learn in those seasons. Those are some of the most important parts of your life and the timeline of your life of you growing in God is during those seasons. Learning how to be content, learning how to be faithful, learning how to be committed, learning how to be silent, learning how to hold your tongue, how to hold your tongue, come on. It's hard in those moments, isn't it? And usually what we do is we go against God's will and we try to make something happen and we end up falling straight on our face. It's because his plans and purposes are not the focus. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to read the whole chapter to you. Today, my title is Knowing the Holy Spirit. What is the plan of the Holy Spirit? For the next few months, I'm going to be talking about God's plan when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the church, salvation, evangelism. You don't hear about that much anymore. Outreach. We're going to talk about God's plan for us as his people. And today, I feel in my spirit that I need to talk about the Holy Spirit. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm going to read this whole chapter to you. So, focus with me. Take some time. And let's really get into this. Amen? And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Notice it says my speech, my words, and my message, what I'm proclaiming, what I'm telling you is not just in words of wisdom, It's not just a natural thing, but he says it's in demonstration of the spirit and of power. The church needs to get back to a place of demonstration of the spirit and of power. We are not called to be apostate, which means dead. This dead religion, I'm tired of it. 
I want to see a church that has demonstration of God's spirit and of power, meaning people that are blind, eyes are open. People that are deaf, ears are heard. People that are lost, they are found in Jesus. They're no longer living after the things of this world, but they're following after the calling of God on their life. Come on. I want to see people get slain in the spirit but come out a completely different person. I don't want to just play church where we shout, we yell, we shake, we run around, and nothing changes. No. I want to see the true demonstration of true demonstration of God's spirit and the power in our life. And I believe it can happen if we will yield our life to it and we will allow ourselves to open our heart to what God wants to do. But we must know his plan and purpose. We got to understand the plan and purpose of his spirit. So Paul is saying, I didn't come to you in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. See, Paul didn't come as a philosopher or a salesman. He came as a witness declaring to them the testimony of Jesus Christ. We need to get back to the basic understanding of the gospel. Instead of trying to be people that get weird and try to make people look at us and like, oh, man, you know so much word. That ain't going to do anything. You need to get back to the basic and the simple understanding of God's gospel, of the word's gospel. That is Jesus Christ died on a cross And three days later, he rose again for you. Today, you don't have to live broken. Today, you don't have to live bound. Today, you can live free through Jesus Christ because his blood is sufficient. His blood is working in you today. Come on. This is the gospel. And Paul's saying, so that your faith, verse 5, might not rest in what? The wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Your faith will not rest in men, in the wisdom of men, in the understanding of men, in the knowledge of men, but in the power of God. See, when they saw the demonstration, because obviously they saw it, they saw the demonstration of the spirit and of power through Paul's ministry. It caused faith to not rest just in words and intellect and in knowledge, but in the power of God. Now, we know this. We can't separate God's word from his spirit. His spirit confirms his word. Can I get an amen? This is why this church is so, so focused on his word. We've gotten that before. Why does this church preach so much in depth of his word? Because you have to have the word of God in you so you can work off that foundation. If you just work from a place that is all emotional and sensualism, well, it's going to go in a wrong direction. But can I tell you? We can have the word, but still have the spirit of God and the power of God working. And I believe we need more of it is where I'm trying to get to. We need more of it. We need to be able to come to a church service and you feel the tangible presence of God that when you bring somebody that's new to the Lord, they feel God in this place. They see it in your life. They see the light of God. They see the salt on your life. When's the last time you walked on the street and someone just came up to you like, man, there's something about you. You say, would people do that? Yeah, Pastor Brian's mentioned that story before when he was in a restaurant in a, in a subway. He was ordering a sandwich. And a guy from across the street ran into that subway, fell on his knees with his hands lifted and said, I want what you have. I need you to pray with me. And right there, 
He led the man to Jesus. The guy got filled in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, and he prayed for everybody else to get saved. It could still happen. Why are you settling for less? He said, great works have I done, but greater works will you do. Come on. Let's not allow comfortability and, and uh, compromise to hinder us from growth. It says, so that your faith may not rest in men or in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet, among the mature, we do not impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age, we are doomed or who are doomed to pass away. Now, there's many arguments in this context right here, whether it's talking about demonic forces or it's talking about just rulers of this age, meaning uh, kings and rulers, government. But it says, we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Wow. If they would have understood, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. But they didn't understand. He's talking about the rulers of this world, the Pharisees. He's talking about just religious people. And we know that they were backed by Satan himself. So I don't understand why there's an argument on which is which, honestly. You can see it clear as picture within Scripture. And it says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who what? Love him. Who loves him today? It's having a love for God. How many love him? What is love? Obedience. Obedience. And this word is tough for us as people, and I know it is. It's challenging. You know, I could lie to you and say, love is just whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you feel all right, what makes you just feel settled. That's love. You know, you could believe that and believe that false narrative and idea, but you'll never change. You'll never feel convicted. You'll never feel challenged. It's okay to feel challenged. And some of you may feel a little frustrated with me and a little angered at the moment because of what I'm saying. Because you feel challenged. But that's what the word does. It cuts. It cuts. It will offend you. And that's okay. But I pray that it will cause you to change. Love is obedience. You got to obey him. You have to. And in the areas you haven't obeyed him, ask God for forgiveness and get it right. Or you can continue to live in the same way you're doing and you won't see the result of God, the goodness of God in your life. You just won't. Because you're not living for him, you're living for self. And I know that's a tough one to chew. And it's even harder to swallow. I know. But see, God loves you so much that he has a purpose and a plan for you. But you got to get in to that place with him to understand his purpose and plan. And what keeps you out of the presence of God usually is the sin and the things that you are doing. This is what keeps people out of the presence of God. This is what keeps people from praying and having an intimate fellowship and relationship with God. Because they feel guilty and shameful and feel they're not worthy enough. And this is what the enemy wants you to believe. And he's a liar. These things, verse 10 says, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So he said... 
that God has revealed to us through the Spirit. God will speak to you through His Spirit. How many know that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you today? He's in you. See, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Say, I'm not my own. You're not your own. Now, you may think you're own, you're, you are your own, but you're not. You're God's. And you are a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Guess what? The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's in you. So next time you think about doing that wrong thing, remember, he's in you. He's in you. The next time you want to talk like that, or the next time you want to react that way, guess what? He's in you. The Holy Spirit's in you. And maybe your heart's gotten so callous to even respond to it. But if you allow the word of God today to break up that hardness of heart, to break up the roots that you've allowed to grow deep within you, to remove the rock, come on, talking about the soil of your heart, the soil of your heart, and allow that seed that's been planted in you, come on, I mean, no, you got a seed in you, and allow it to grow, allow it to produce fruit. It says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, meaning you're not your own, meaning he's the boss. Say, he's the boss. How do I know this? Well, go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, actually go to Matthew 3, the very end, when Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, it says this, and when Jesus in verse 16, Matthew 3 verse 16, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were tore open or open for him, to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. So Jesus goes in the water, and as soon as he comes out, heavens tear open, and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit isn't a dove. He's not wind. He's not fire. No, he is a person. Can I get an amen? But it said that they saw, that John saw it descend like a dove. And come right on him, rest on him. And then what do you see happen next? In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Who led Jesus into the wilderness? Did he go on his own? Who? The Spirit. He's different now. He's not just leading himself. The Holy Spirit's leading him. And we see that all through the work of Jesus for three and a half years, the Holy Spirit led him. He worked in him. This is why we saw Jesus abiding in prayer with God at night all the time. He was praying. He was seeking God. He was abiding in God. The Bible says in John chapter 15, verse 4, abide in me and I in you. God can't dwell in you and abide in you if you are not abiding in him. What does abide mean? Live in him. Be in him. Rest in him. It says, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, you can't bear fruit on your own. You can't do it from your good works, from your good looks, and from just everything you do. It ain't going to work. 
It says, a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. You bear fruit through abiding in Christ Jesus, through having fellowship with him. You got to know the plan of the Holy Spirit. And it says this, neither can you unless you abide in me. You must abide in him. So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He followed him. He followed after him. Followed after the Spirit. What does that mean, to follow? There's an unction. There's a still, small voice. There's a leading. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Is the Holy Spirit leading you today? Or are you leading you? Or is somebody else leading you? Somebody else's ideas and perceptions of God or of life. You know, we too often reason and talk ourselves out of what God has purposed and planned us to do. We do it all the time. We say, oh, I can't do that. God wouldn't want me to do it that way. There's been times in my life where I knew I was supposed to do something a certain way, and I disobeyed, and it didn't work out. There's been times in my life where I knew what the Holy Spirit said to do, and I didn't listen, and I missed out, and I even knew I missed out. But there's been times when I've listened to the Holy Spirit and exactly what he told me to do, and I've seen people get saved from it. I've seen my life change from it. I remember not too long ago, I was working out in the gym over here on Main Street, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to my spirit and said, go tell that, someone, go tell that person that I love him. I went and obeyed the Holy Ghost. I was fighting it for a second. I'm in a gym. This guy was bigger than me, all tatted up. I'm not saying I was scared. I'm a pretty big guy, too. No, I'm not saying um, Just being funny. But I knew what the Holy Spirit said. You know? Did I think I was dumb and stupid at the moment in my flesh for a second? Yeah, I'm like, this guy don't want to hear this. But I was obedient, and because of that, the guy was brought to tears. And told me a story about his mom was a Christian and how he turned away from God. And he just couldn't believe that someone heard from God to come talk to him. When we are led by the Spirit of God, it's not only affecting you, but it's affecting people around you. You got to stop thinking about self, about you, having this, this focused vision. It's okay to be focused, but you got to start thinking about people around you. You're part of a body. I said this last week, this is why it's important for you to be at church. It's not just thinking about, oh, I'm just getting a church to get a message and get inspired and encouraged and go throughout my week. No, you're coming up here to present yourself as a living sacrifice unto God. You're part of something. You're part of a body. You have a function as a member of that body. And if you're not functioning today, that's because you haven't yielded your life to God today and rightly seen your place in the body today. You got to set yourself. Or the Bible says he will set you. He is setting individual members within the body. So it says that these things, in verse 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a revealer. He will reveal God's word to you. He will reveal God's plans and purposes to you. When's the last time you just prayed or tarried for an hour? I know it's difficult. Just this week, I was praying and I'm about 15 minutes in, I go to my phone and start trolling Instagram. And I'm supposed to be praying. And I'm on it. And I just feel my spirit like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Put it back down. 
Start praying again. Thank you, Jesus. Five minutes later, pick it up. Oh, you know that's you too. Come on. Put it back down. Start praying again. I probably did it 10 or 15 times. To where I really felt bad. And in my mind, or actually in my heart, I felt this. Am I that addicted to this that I can't pray for an hour? So you know what I did? Cut it at the root. I'm off social media now. I'm off. Because it's not going to take my life from what I can receive from God. Now, I'm not trying to say, hey, look at me. No. What I'm saying is sometimes in your life, or actually I'll say all the time, all the time in your life, you got to change your habits in order to receive from God. You have to. In order to get any results in God, you're going to have to change what you do. We know that naturally too, though. In order to get anything, any results, to get any success in life, and if it's not working what you're doing now, you're going to have to change. Same way with God. You have to. So for those that message me on Instagram, I won't see it. I'm sorry. I didn't want to make, like, the post, you know, people do. Leave an Instagram. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. They call it something. I forget. But uh, just thank you for letting us know. So I kind of did it now, though, in this message. But it's all right. But the Lord will reveal to us through the Spirit. Now, look, how does he do this? It says, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Do you know it's okay to be deep in God? We don't have to be surface Christians. Let's get into the depths of God. Let's get to know the mysteries of God, the secrets of God. And that's only done through revelation. And that only comes through the Holy Spirit. He will reveal God's word to you. You know, there are many things that have been revealed to the church that aren't so old. They're very new. Like even Pentecostalism and charismatic. Like, and I'm talking about this is where we come from, non-denominational. Non-denomination, that's where that comes from. And that only happened in 1901, 1902, when the Sousa Street Revival happened. Like, we come from that. Like, that's still very new when it comes to denominations and to other religions, not other religions, but other things in Christianity. It's still fairly new. I mean, even the power of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues, I mean, you can look throughout church history, church history, it really wasn't prevalent at a certain time period in like the 1400s and the uh, 1300s. It just wasn't there. But now we see like a big outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this day and age. It's awesome. But it's because of revelation of God's word. It's because somebody tarried and prayed and spent time with God for years and days and hours. And God's still revealing his plan today to you. It says, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? Wow. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. You can't comprehend the thoughts of God only through the spirit of God. Your little intellectual mind and brain that you got in between your two ears can't comprehend the things of God. This is why, in continuing the scripture, Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. So that means the spirit of this world, the people in this world, don't understand the things of God. How could they? Now, as we continue in the scripture, it says, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things 
of the Spirit of God, for they are folly or foolish to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Wow. The natural man, the worldly man, the unbeliever cannot understand the things of God. This should not shock you. It says it right here in Scripture. Don't be shocked at sinners sinning. Don't be shocked at unbelievers not believing. It's going to happen. It's okay. But you as a church, you as a light, you as a believer have to shine bright. You have to be the salt of the earth. The Bible says if you lose your saltiness, what is it good for? Do you light a lamp and put it under a basket? No, you put it on this nightstand and let it light up the whole room. It's talking about you. It's foolish to them, the things of God. They don't understand it. That's why when someone comes in and they see God moving, they're like, what in the world's going on here? These people are crazy. Tongue talking, shouting, praising. But it says that even tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? It says in the word. The sign or the, the speaking in tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. I believe some of us need to pray in tongues more. You need to begin to have that relationship with God on a daily basis. Paul said, I pray more than you all. What was he meaning in that? Meaning he prays a lot. And it says, or actually, go back. It says that God has revealed us to us through the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says this. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. How many know that the Holy Spirit can fill you and fill you and fill you again and again? It says don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with the natural things of this world. Don't be consumed with the natural things of this world. That's what he's meaning. Don't allow the things of this world to consume you. Don't be filled with that garbage, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Because when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you will produce the works of God. It says in John 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. How do you do this? Well, back in that first part of that scripture, drawing near to God. Draw near to him. Draw near to him. Man, there are some powerful men and women that are in the church. But can I tell you that there's a lot of people that have the power in them, that have the spirit of God in them, but you would never know it. It's ineffective because they don't have a relationship with God because they're not exercising what's been given to them. There's a lot in you, Christian, that hasn't been touched yet. It's because what you are compromising for. It's because what you are allowing comfortability to take over. Today, I encourage you, I plead to you, and implore you to step up and take the challenge of following after Jesus and letting go of everything. We know Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. This is what it is. Seek first his kingdom. Seek him. Your job, your marriage, your family, your children, everything doesn't matter if he is not at the center of it. What is it worth? What does it mean? If he's not the main focus, you can have all the money in the world. You can have the greatest business idea. 
You can have a monopoly on, on whatever, but it don't matter. If God's not in it, it won't work. And we know that everything in our life is supposed to bring glory to him. Is God getting the glory from your marriage? Is God getting the glory from your job? Is God getting the glory from your relationships? Is God getting the glory in your children's lives? Is God getting glory from his church? This is why church wasn't made from a man idea. It wasn't made for us just to only fellowship. Oh, we'll fellowship. We'll have community. Of course we would. Why wouldn't we? That's just by default. That's going to happen. If you want to make friends, if you want friends, make yourself friendly. Go introduce yourself, go introduce yourself to someone after church. Don't leave too, too soon. Stay back a little bit. Grab a cup of coffee. Introduce yourself. Get their number. Go have another coffee with them throughout the week. Make friends. It's easy. And you're supposed to do that as a body. We're supposed to stay back. But that's not the whole focus of the church. It says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. What does that mean? That means that you got to be prayed up. you got to be stirred up. you got to have something working inside of you because when the enemy does come and attack, because guess what? He will. When he comes, where are you standing at? How is your posture in God? Do you know the plan and the purpose of God? See, the Bible says this in Romans 8. Verse 9 through 11, and I'm ending right here. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit. How many are in the spirit today? Come on. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Well, there you go. How many know that the spirit of God dwells in you? Lift your hand. He does. He dwells in you. So guess what? You're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin... The body, not your spirit, your body's dead. Your spirit's alive. It says, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, wow, it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and that seated him at the right hand of the Father that's in me? Well, this is what Ephesians chapter 1 verse says. Go there. Ephesians 1 says this. In what in verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? Well, who's believes today? Come on, you're a believer today. Well, his power is working towards you according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above what? Rule, authority, power, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one to come. So that means, guess what? You're seated with Christ, the same spirit that raised him from the dead is in you, so you have all authority over all rule, dominion, authority, power. The devil's under your feet. You're redeemed. You're made new. His spirit is in you. See, his indwelling presence gives life to your natural self. It is, the next scripture says, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life. Or the next, uh, the King James Version says, it will quicken those dead things or quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. That word quicken means this, to produce, to be alive, to bear living, to give life. 
to restore to life, to give increase of life, to be endued with new and greater power of life. It's like a metaphor of a seed that's being quickened into life. It's germinating, it's springing up, it's growing. See, he will produce in your life through the Spirit. He will make you alive through the Spirit. He will restore you to life through the Spirit. He will increase you through the Spirit. See, it's that seed that's in you that's germinating, that's growing in you. It's causing you to transform into the image of Christ. It's causing you to walk according to God's Word. See, His Spirit dwells in you. You house Him, and you yield your life to Him. You yield your heart to Him, and you allow that Word to work in your life, but also you allow the Spirit of God to work in you and to work for you. See, he's quickened you. You're alive. You're not dead anymore. You're not dead to sin. You're not dead to old ways of thought, to past failures. You're alive. But the enemy wants you to believe otherwise. He wants you to believe otherwise. He wants you to think that you're defeated. He wants you to think that you can't be restored. Let me tell you right now, I'm going to prophesy right now. If you think you've missed God, if you think you've missed out on God's calling for your life, that's a lie of the enemy. Right now, you can get it right in your heart, and you can be restored back to what God has called you to do. He will restore you. And what the enemy tried to take from you, God will restore to you seven times. I don't care how many years, sorry, let me say it in a different way to show some empathy. I do care, but I don't care what the enemy tried to take from you because he's a liar. He's a manipulator. He's a deceiver. It's not true. God is restoring you today. His spirit is in you. It says his spirit will quicken. It will restore you. His spirit has made you alive. The Bible says in this, and I finish. Psalm 16, verse 11, we know this. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is a fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is a fullness of joy. In his presence he makes known to us his path for our life. In his presence he makes known to you his path for your life. Get in his presence. Get in his presence. In his presence, he makes known to you. Get in his presence. Wake up every morning, get in his presence. Go to bed, or before you go to bed, get in his presence. The middle of the day, get in his presence. In his presence, he'll make known to you his path for your life. You want to know his plan? You want to know his purpose? In his presence where it's found. And guess what? That's where joy is. That's where joy is. The enemy's tried to rob you of your joy. He's trying to take it from you. Get in his presence. You'll be restored back. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, Go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.